Let's get hype! Welcome into the Husker Hypecast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunson, this week's special guest. You know him mostly, I think, from being the best golfer in the Nebraska sports media. Also <laughs> covers a lot of Husker hoops. Helps out with the uh, the Nebraska football coverage over at the Lincoln Journal Star. Of course, I'm talking about Chris Bassnett. Chris, how you doing? Fellas, what an honor for me to be here today on the Hypecast. It's, you know, I've, I've heard the stories. I've, I've heard the legends about it. And just to be a part of it, it's really a, it's an overwhelming experience. I got to be honest. Yeah, and the, the pleasure is ours. You were the first out of seven people that we text to say yes. And so that's <laughs> you're here. a very exclusive process. Yeah, you know, we just, we send the text all at the same time. The first one that says yes gets to be in. That's how beautiful. Beautiful. You don't have well, to climb. You don't have to climb Mount Everest now. You have. Uh, you've done. <laughs> you, you've. You've scaled a mountain already. With I this. have. I feel yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so before we dive into to breaking down what what we're seeing offense, what we're seeing on defense, is this the least talked about game on Nebraska's schedule so far? Like I, I feel like in terms of the the sports radio that I've either listened to or participated in. There's been really no discussion about Purdue as a football team. It's all basically just been about big picture Nebraska. Uh, have you guys even really looked ahead at, at what the Boilermakers uh, present for Nebraska? Well, I have. I have. I mean, I've been, I've been forced to a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think you're right, Schaefer. I, think, I do get the sense that it's not um, – it's not a game people are diving deep into, and that's what happens when one team's two and three, which is Purdue, and one's one and four. There's a little Bob Diaco, uh, you know, subplot that people are, I guess, enjoying to some degree. Um, but I, I think uh, it, it's also a, probably translates to this is December, and it's a weird time to be, you know, still having a football season or having week-to-week games as people are starting to kind of get into the, a different – Christmas season and all that. It's just, it's just a weird time. I mean, it, the whole, it, it goes with 2020 so well. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's well said. All right, let's just, uh, let's do it then. Let's give the people some Purdue talk. Uh, Brunts is, is going to, I'm sure, have a lot of Purdue Pete uh, references throughout. This the is his Super Bowl week. week. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is Brunts week. It really is. And it, it, it's in West Lafayette where he got to see the room that the uh, Purdue Pete costume sit in and I thought he was going to try to steal one of the giant heads uh, when we were we were last there but he he really kind of controlled himself more than I think anybody could have expected what what do you guys what would you guys say is the most valuable piece of like equipment around Nebraska like that, that you would want it was like the horseshoe that's hanging out of the tunnel like what 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 would you say is like the most valuable property that that is wasn't, wasn't there a rock that bill callahan uh <laughs> still there still outside yeah it's outside the hendrix now they moved it yeah mm-hmm. i i'm gonna go with the rock so gonna, i think it's, i think it's the horseshoe yeah it, like imagine if you just had like the horseshoe just kind of sitting in this room with like no security around it whatsoever. And people just kind of coming and going through there. Like that's basically what the, the Purdue Pete head situation was. It was just like (laughs) heads lined up in this room and nobody was there like watching them or anything. Like you could have walked out with all five of them or however many there were. And uh, nobody would have been, you know, the wiser. Not saying you did that, but you could have done that. 
You did. Heads lined up in a room sounds. Heads lined up in a room sounds like Nebraska's football season. <laughs> I, I want to point out that that room could be best described as dank. Like it's the sort of room <laughs> that if you were in a horror movie, like you walk into, and there's five bodiless Purdue Pete heads staring at you <laughs> as you walk into the room, and you just know that it's over. Like yeah. right then and there, you are not leaving that room. You're dead. It's like the end of the Blair Witch Project where the guy's standing in the corner and then the video cuts out. Like that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we haven't even, you know, been back to Purdue since the, um, the guy that is Purdue Pete um, just roughing guys up in a McDonald's drive through So there's, there's that too. <laughs> oh, man. It, Purdue Pete's the best mascot to ever appear in a police report, right? Oh, yeah, it has to be. Well, he wasn't, like, wearing the costume. Like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Unfortunately, but. Um, I like to think that he was, Brunson. I don't want you to take it away from me. The, the student newspaper, though, did in the headline describe him. The headline was Purdue Pete gets arrested or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, the as to what is going to potentially happen on the field, I mean, there there are some storylines. You've got probably the the best two-man wide receiver group in the in the Big Ten I think um, with, with Rondale Moore David Bell that Nebraska is going to have to deal with you've got Hanson Bob's 3-4 defense which has improved um, from what Purdue's defense was last year so you, you've got that um, plus you know all the Bob Diaco videos gifts and whatever else that you've seen popping up on social media this week. So there, there's some stuff there that Nebraska is going to have to deal with, um, you know, especially, you know, how the, the biggest thing to me, we can start on defense is how Nebraska's defense is going to build on what they did against Iowa. They played well enough to win in that game. I think they were putting some really tough spots by Nebraska's special teams. And, you know, they're going to have a different kind of challenge this week against two very good wide receivers, a quarterback, uh, that, that's better than what they saw last week at, at Iowa. And uh, they're going to have to play pretty consistent, solid football, I think, for Nebraska to have a chance in this game. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And uh, I, I look at it um, kind of like you said, where Nebraska's defense played well against Iowa, and that was coming off of the really poor performance against Illinois. And you start to wonder, like, what version of this defense is real? Is it the one that showed up and they didn't really uh, – didn't really look like they wanted to be there against Illinois. Is it the defense that had the two big stops against Penn State but gave up all the yards? Is it the defense that largely took Iowa's offense out of the game for the second year in a row, but too many big plays or poor plays in other phases of the football allowed the Hawkeyes to win? And, and so we'll start with that. Chris, as you, as you look at this defense, is there any part of it, any level that, that so far through these five games where you feel like you trust – that unit going into Saturday as they take on Purdue? Boy, trust is a, is a strong word, <laughs> I think. And, and you kind of touched on it, Mike. I think they, this defense has just been so, you know, all over the map. They, they've had so many different kinds of performances. They've been, they've been really good in spots, and they've been really bad in spots, sometimes in the same game. They, they've had games like Illinois, like you said, where they barely even showed up. And they have a game like last week where, where they, they bowed up and they, they kind of gave Nebraska a chance in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I don't, know if I, I don't know if there's any one area I trust. I suppose if I had to pick one, I'd probably go defensive line, oddly enough, even though that's maybe the spot that, that 
that not a lot of people would pick just because I think they've been the most consistent. You know, there's obviously a lot of talent in the, in the defensive backfield and the secondary, but, but there's been some up and down play there too. Um, linebacker, we all know the situation there with, with guys being hurt and in and out and just a lack of depth there. So even though the defensive line maybe hasn't generated the pass rush that, that Nebraska would like, I, I, if I have to pick one, I'm going there just because I feel like they've been the steadiest group so far. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's probably where I would go with it as well. BC, we look at the secondary because that's going to be you know a lot of key matchups here. You have David Bell, you have Rondale Moore, and I think it's it's important. You know, that you want good coverage, you want to try to prevent the ball from getting to those guys. But I think the unsung part of this game is going to be can Nebraska's secondary make sure that when they catch it, they're also not piling up a bunch of yards after the catch. And and I just think like. They've had some tackling issues, whether it's been Deontay Williams uh, or some of those other guys. Do you, you know, what, what's your level of confidence that if they can't completely stop the ball from going to those guys, that they can at least corral them enough that they don't let, you know, some of these smaller plays turn into big chunk ones? Uh, I would say it's it's so-so, uh, my level of confidence, and it, it sort of goes to what Chris was saying. I mean, I, I you're talking about a defense where, uh, you know, once in a while that – you feel really good about it. And then at times you, you don't. And so uh, that, that makes it tough to, to, to know exactly what you're going to get. I mean, that's going to be the key though, is tackling in space in this game. Uh, Purdue is not going to run the ball hardly at all. They're 122nd in the country in uh, rushing offense, uh, but they're first in the league in passing offense. They're averaging 320 yards a game. And some of that stuff is glorified running. Um, you know, some of the, some of the yards that come that are called passing yards are, are basically extended handoffs or stuff like that, uh, that is going to challenge you to get off blocks and, uh, make those plays one-on-one, obviously against a guy like Rondale Moore, that's very difficult, but I'll tell you what the guy who, I mean, David Bell has become to me sort of must watch, um, TV in the big 10. If you're going to talk about an individual player, he's, he's just a, a wide receiver, he'll make a freak catch, a couple of them a game. He's averaging about 99 yards receiving per game. And uh, both guys are scary. You don't even want to rank who's one and who's two there. But I, I, to credit to Bell, I actually think he's right. You, I have a hard time picking between him and more about who is more frightening uh, on that offense. And that, that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could make a good case. And, and I think people would agree that David Bell's been the best – receiver in the Big Ten this year, and, and that even includes, you know, when Rashad Bateman was playing as well and some of those great players over at Ohio State. So, Brunt, speaking of Ohio State, the last time we saw kind of two really good wide receivers like this on the opposing team, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, you could throw in uh, Jackson Smith, Najigba. Uh, those guys really – Nebraska played soft, soft coverage. Do you, do you anticipate it to look different against a Purdue team that doesn't have the threat of Justin Fields also taking off and running uh, or, or, you know, even, even a, a quarterback situation over at Purdue where it's Ben Aiden O'Connell. And now I believe it's, it's Jack Plummer uh, at this point. Do you, do you think that we're going to see that kind of soft coverage or do you think we could see a few more exotic looks and, and maybe even a little bit more blitzing and pressure uh, from Nebraska's past defense? I think a little both. I mean, I think, I think Nebraska will probably opt to going back to the, the yards after catch conversation. I think they're going to opt to kind of keep everything in front of them if they can uh, with, with 
with Bell and Moore. Uh, I think the, you are going to have to get a little bit more exotic with some of your blitz looks, though. I mean, the the you know worst thing you can do, I think, is you know play you know really soft coverage and then not have pressure and guys getting home on on you know third down. So I, I think they are going to have to dial things up a little bit. Um, you know, I think Plummer's a little bit more of an efficient quarterback than O'Connell. And, you know, Nebraska last year against David Bell, he had seven catches. He only had 23 yards in that game, um, the, the one rushing touchdown too. But, you know, they, they kept him relatively bottled up. And if you look at Purdue's stats in the passing game too, I mean, they really do a nice job of spreading it around, not just, you know, Bell and Moore, but they get uh, the tight ends involved. Uh, you know, the third leading receiver, Xander Horvath, the running back, he's got 26 catches. So, you, you do kind of have to account for everybody. So I, I don't think that you're going to see a ton of just straight one-on-one, you know, press coverage. I, I think Nebraska is going to try to keep it manageable and keep the big plays down. I, I, I would be surprised if they uh, did something different than that. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely fair. Let's jump over offensive side of the ball. You know, Nebraska was able to, to move it at times. They used a lot, they utilized both quarterbacks, and I guess we'll start with that, Chris. I mean, do you do you think that we saw a different version of Adrian Martinez at all against Iowa? Did anything look too different to you there? And then the, the follow-up with that is, do you anticipate we're going to see uh, both guys playing the way that we did against Iowa? Adrian got the first two series. Luke got the, the next two. Adrian came back in and scored at the end of the first and the beginning of the second half. And Luke worked in in the, the second half as well. Do you, do you think we see that, you know, more uh, than we did certainly in Northwestern, Penn State, and, and Illinois? Yeah, um, I think you do. I think, you know, and I always go back to what Scott Frost said at the beginning of the season about you need to have your best playmakers on the field. And he's talked about how those two guys, Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez, are, are two of Nebraska's best playmakers. And if, if you're going to stick to your word as a coach – then you're going to stick with that. And, and it worked pretty well. I think against Iowa, there was obviously some some hiccups with the snaps and things like that. But I thought Adrian, you know, looked more like freshman Adrian in that game. Uh, he seemed to throw it with a little more confidence, obviously going 18 for 20 and one of those being a, you know, just throw it away out of bounds. The, the he, was, he was sharp in the passing game. I thought he was solid in the running game. He didn't have the huge numbers. Obviously, he had the long run that got called back on the holding penalty. But, you know, I think that's more what Nebraska was hoping for out of Adrian this year. It, the, the numbers weren't going to blow you away, but they're also playing a really good defense. And, and if he plays like that against Purdue, there's going to be opportunities there for him to, to put up big numbers, both in the passing game and in the running game. So, yeah, I, I do think you see both guys. I think Adrian starts again. I think, I think most people would probably agree with that. And, and you kind of have that rotation and see how it works. But I think you have to be pretty heartened if you're Nebraska – you know, from what you saw out of what you tried to do last week and also what you saw from your starter being so sharp throwing the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to be very curious. If, you know, if, if Adrian starts off the game and he plays well, then what does it sort of look like at that point? Um, you know, do you, do you have to work Luke in? It's just – it creates a series of questions. Obviously, we'll have more answers uh, with, with Nebraska. BC, do you think that the – the ceiling on Nebraska's offense from a point standpoint is roughly around that 23 point range. I mean, 
they they scored 30 against Penn State, but seven points came from the uh, the scoop and score. They've largely just kind of hung out right around 20 points. Do you think this is a week where we could see them put up more than uh, more than like let's say 24, uh, or or do you think Nebraska is going to have to try to win this game at a really close margin, only scoring around 20 points? No, I think it's a week where they could score more. I, I'm not going to. Uh beat Bob Diak over the head. I feel like it, there's a lot of easy jokes to make about him. He's had good years and bad years as a coach, and I think there's some improvements that Purdue has made defensively. Uh, but his his defense is still one that is is there to be had. I mean, they're, they're a group you can, you can move the ball against. They're not as stingy as the Iowa defense that Nebraska saw last week. And, uh, you know, Nebraska had 20 points in that game. Um, and uh, honestly, probably felt like like a lot of Nebraska games, like they left some points out there, uh, obviously driving at the end 40 yards for more points that could have won the game. So I think they could get actually into the 30s in this game scoring wise. And I know that's kind of bold from what we've seen. Uh, but I do think um, Purdue's defense is also maybe a step down a little bit uh, from what we saw last week, where I did think uh, to what Chris was saying, I, I thought Adrian uh, – bounced back pretty strongly, actually. I thought that was a pretty good game from him. So if he can do that again at a place where, honestly, um, last year is sort of where he had that big moment, remember, against Purdue, where he was good, he had been injured and then he came back and was a starter. And he had kind of a rough first half, especially, where he missed some throws and had a bad turnover in the red zone and all that. Um, so let's see if he can get a little redemption here. And if they can keep Wandale – in the flow like they have the last couple of weeks. I, I like what's happening there. I think they're starting to get Wandale the ball uh, in space and not necessarily beat him up in the process. But that also means they're going to have to have Ramir Johnson or somebody step up a running back possibly this week. We don't know what that situation is. Yeah, I gotta... you, you touched on Wandale. I, I really think, you know, the last couple of weeks, it's looked more and more like what I expect. Uh, you know, it, the production was going to be you know, right around 130 total yards. I think the touchdowns could be there a little bit later on. I just think we're we're real close to a potential breakout game uh, from from Wandale Robinson. Uh, sorry, Chris, it sounded like you wanted to jump in there. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, you're good. I, I have a stat for you guys. Um, we're talking about Purdue's defense and, and looking at points allowed. And here's how their points allowed have gone so far: 20, 24, 27, 34, 37. It's gone up every week, and uh, the last one was Rutgers, of course, last week. So. You know, BC said he doesn't want to beat Bob Diaco over the head, and, and I'm not going to do that either. But you see teams kind of figuring out what what Purdue wants to do on defense. So I, I just to kind of add on to that, I think there, like BC said, there's some opportunities that are going to be there. I think for Nebraska to score and, some points, and they're uh, Purdue's without their leading tackler for the first half. Correct, yep. uh, Derek Barnes will be serving yeah. uh, suspension. So that that could don't have Carlos either, right? George Karloftis is out this week still with because he's sitting out the 21 days for COVID. Yep. Yeah, so there, there's some there's some holes there. Yeah. All right, Brun. So we, we kind of hit on on some of that stuff with the offense, but one of the things that's been just shocking to me, like out and out shocking, Nebraska has not been able to establish any sort of running game that hasn't involved the quarterbacks as the primary ball carrier. Do you, you think that there is an opportunity, whether it's Diedrich Mills that comes back from, from what's ailed him the last couple of weeks or, or, you know, Ramir Johnson, he had a really nice drive against Iowa. Do you think there's anybody on the roster 
that, that plays against Purdue that can go over, say, let's say 65 yards on Saturday as a primary ball carrier out of the backfield? No. That's uh, rough. Isn't it? How do you make a living <laughs> in offense? I mean, these are two of the worst rushing teams in the country if you just focus on running back production. That's stunning to me. Like, I just didn't think it could be this bad, and yet here we are. Well, I'm just – I'm not expecting to see Dedrick Mills. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Nebraska has shown that, you know, if, if it's not Mills and it's going to be kind of the poo-poo platter of Ramir Johnson, Wando Robinson, and Marvin Scott, who, you know, Marvin had – was knocked out of the Iowa game. I, I don't think they want to, you know, feature Wandale a ton as a running back. So I, I just don't see them getting to 65 yards with any of those guys if they're kind of moving the ball around like that. That's why I say no. Um, so it, it's going to have to be some quarterback run game. It's going to have to be, uh, you know, choose your spots with Ramir Johnson. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe they, they do feature somebody a little bit more. Or they see something there that they can take advantage of. I mean, it's, Purdue's 45th in the country right now in, in rush defense. They give up 145 a game. I think if Nebraska's going to have success, it's going to be just kind of the mix of quarterback run, maybe uh, some jet sweep stuff um, and, and with, with the running back sprinkled in. I, I agree with you that not being able to run the ball with the running backs is a significant problem, uh, but I, I don't see that, that, that trend changing, I guess, uh, coming off of, of last – last week's game and also just with the personnel that they have. I, I just think this is who Nebraska is running the ball this season. And, and that's the way it's going to be. Uh, unless any of you guys have any real strong thoughts on Nebraska's special team play. And I, I know that you have thoughts, but I, I don't know how to, to mix it in with anything more to say other than they, they have to be better certainly than they were against Iowa, but yet I don't expect that they're going to be markedly better. Um, if any of you want to weigh in on special teams quickly. Well, I, I mean, I think they can win that phase of the game on week to week. The problem is they're just not consistent about it. And uh, the, simply at some point they're going to have to – I like what Connor Culp is doing. He's having a good season for his talents, and he's doing exactly what is asked. At some point, though, they're just going to have to get a leg that can boom some kicks out of the end zone. You, see, you saw that difference last week, and – Hopefully that's not a, a factor again this week. The the touchback percentage thing seems like one of those things you can dismiss, but it's been a problem for Nebraska the last two years. It, it was kind of surprising that they weren't trying higher kicks to just try to get those guys to fair catch inside the, the 20 so they'd get the, the touchback at the 25, but they seemed pretty content to just kick to the 30. I didn't know if that was strategy. And then, of course, one time they didn't, and Iowa returned it to basically the 40. I just I, – I don't understand and I don't – I don't understand really what the, the thought process is with some of it. And I, I don't trust that unit. I mean, we, I have more confidence that the offense is going to come out and play well on Saturday than I do that the special teams will do anything that, that results in a major breakthrough for Nebraska beyond just competency uh, at, at field goal kicking. Like, it's just not been a very good unit. Even the, the punt returning – between the punter booming it too far or not putting enough hang time on it and Nebraska not having seemingly enough guys downfield, it's just been bad. It's surprisingly uh, really regressed from – they started fine against Ohio State, and then since then it's just been pretty bad the rest of the way. 
Yeah, if, if there's anything I have confidence in in Nebraska's special teams, it's that there's probably going to be an abject disaster uh, at some point uh, in, in in covering a punt or a kick or, or fumbling. You could have made that a, uh, an oddly specific prediction if you wanted to. Yeah, I might, that that might actually be my oddly specific uh, prediction is that Nebraska has a has an absolute meltdown on on special. Well, before teams. we get there, I, I want to ask you this question, um, Chris: Has there been a player that has caught your attention this year that maybe? Maybe a guy that obviously you've heard about, you've written about, you've talked to, or, or something along those lines, but has really stepped up their level of play so far in, in 2020. And, and you see, you know, if they're a guy that's younger or whatever, you, you think could be a, a pretty key cog going forward. Yeah, it, it might be the obvious one. But I think Luke Reimer is that guy for me. And I think we all saw the talent um, last year when he was able to play a little bit and, and flash a couple times. But he's, he's just built like one of those guys that – can be special. He, he, he shoots his guns as the, as Nebraska's coaches like to say, he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and he's going to miss a few times and he has missed a few times this year, but man, you can just, you can see the talent in that guy and he's going to be so important. He's already been really important to Nebraska's defense this year, just with the a, the lack of depth at that position and be his ability to make plays and make a lot of tackles um, as a sophomore. So yeah, for me, it's Luke Reimer. I think that kid's really special. I think he's in line for to have a, a really good career for Nebraska. All right. BC, let's dive into some oddly specific predictions. What do you got for this one? Um, remember last year when uh, Darian Daniels against Purdue had one of the most glorious, almost uh, – <laughs> I'm just going to say fat guy touchdowns. I know some people don't like to use that term, but I think it's said with a affection whenever it's mentioned the that Heisman way. Heisman moment you're saying? Yeah, it was beautiful. It was the actually, if I were making a highlight, uh, you know, like film of Nebraska's 2019 season, it would have started and ended with probably Dar- uh, that that run um, by Darian Daniels to the two yard line. Nebraska did not score a touchdown, but we won't get into that. Um, I think that brother Damian is going to get an odd interception in this game it's going to happen when it's one of these passes where it's like tipped at the line of scrimmage by Casey uh, Rogers big paw his left paw is going to tip the ball it's going to bounce off like a boilermaker offensive lineman's helmet you know one of those plays where it kind of pinballs around and then suddenly it falls into the arms of big Damian Daniels and he kind of gets tackled on the spot he doesn't really run with it but it's going to be a turnover uh, pick by Damian Daniels uh, kind of um, as appreciation to what his brother did a season ago. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, Chris, are you ready or should we go to Brunt? I'm ready. I am right. ready. You're up. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with my special teams prediction. I think there is an abject disaster uh, on Nebraska's part. I think it's a, I think they give up like a, a long punt return and whether Purdue score, oh, you know what? I'll say Purdue scores on a long punt return. I, I say Nebraska, you know, has a drive stall out around midfield and Purdue has like a ridiculously long, like a 75 or 80 yard punt return for a touchdown. Uh, I don't know how that will affect the outcome of the game, but, but that's my thought is that there will be a, an abject disaster on special teams that makes everybody want to throw their, their, their remote at the TV. Okay. Before we get to Brunts, I'll toss mine in there. I think Wondell Robinson's going to have the most yardage in his career. Previously, his high was 168 against Illinois. I think he goes for over 168 on Saturday. I really think he's going to have a nice game. I think we've we've seen Nebraska, as Brian was saying, fine-tune how they're using him. I think he's going to be involved in both the, the pass game and the, the run game. 
And there was a throw that Adrian had against Iowa where they found him up to seam in the middle of the field. If that throw is there last year for Adrian, they beat Purdue by two touchdowns. I think that they're going to have some opportunities in the middle of the field against that Purdue defense. I think Wandale's going to have a big, big game, and he's going to be motivated because he's got Rondale Moore, and that was a comparison across the field for him. All right, Brunts, what do you got? I think Adrian Martinez has a good game against Purdue. I, I think he – I'm going to say throws for two, runs for two. Um, and as a bonus, I think you're going to see Bob Diaco shown on TV – nine times during the course of the game. Mm. He's in the box, so it's going to be challenging. Yeah. He's, he's, going to have the, uh, he's going to have the glasses pulled down on the edge of his nose, but I think you're going to see a lot of Bob on, uh, on the broadcast. So nine times you're going to see wow. Diaco shown. Count it. Nine. Wow. Nine wow. times. So in, that, in an Argyle sweater. Yes. Or a, uh, a very form-fitting black suit afterwards. But apparently he doesn't do media anymore. That, that's not required of him at Purdue. I mean, isn't that what he wanted? Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the dream. For that's what everybody wants, right? Make 350 k a year and not have to talk to anybody? Yeah. And not have to awkwardly hold a lavalier mic? Yeah. Uh, excellent. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish this up. Predictions. We'll, uh, we'll go reverse order. Brunts, let's start with you. Uh, I think Nebraska somehow finds a way to get, get it over the finish line in this one to just further confuse the narrative on this season. So I'm going to, after saying that Adrian Martinez is going to have a big game, I think it's going to be a late Connor Culp field goal is going to win this for Nebraska 31-29. to 29. Okay, I like it. Uh, I will go next. I, I also think Nebraska gets it done this weekend. They've been close uh, a couple times this year against comparable teams. I think Purdue's gone the other way a little bit. They've certainly struggled defensively, as, as Chris pointed out, with what they've given up points-wise. I don't think Nebraska's going to set a, uh, a another one going forward for them, but I, I do think the Huskers can inch closer to 30 points here. We'll say Nebraska 29, Purdue 23. Yeah, and um, I'm going to go the other way. I don't trust Nebraska. Um, I haven't trusted them all year. You know, it's it feels like a game where a lot of people are kind of thinking, oh, here here's this is it. This Nebraska's going to win this one. They're, you know, Purdue's struggling a little bit. I don't see it. You know, I, I think there's this disaster on special teams. Like I said, I do think Adrian plays well. But I just – I can't trust this team. They've given me no reason to do that. And Nebraska has not played well up in West Lafayette the last few times they've been up there, even though they got the win uh, a few years ago, the one point win where Tanner Lee took the boys down the field and, and found, found Stanley Morgan. But I don't trust them. I, I think it's high scoring. I think Nebraska does get to 30 points, but I think they lose 34-31. Okay. Good stuff. BC, what do, you, what do you got? How are you finishing this up? I think it's going to be a little bit of a score fest for some reason. Um, I will say Nebraska 34, Purdue uh, 27. I don't know if you guys would go with this. I, I kept it to a one-score prediction, but I sort of feel this way with Nebraska football in this game that either Nebraska could win it by like 17 points or something like that, or they, they just sort of 
actually show up like they did against Iowa with that effort and they kind of jump jump to a big lead and hold it or they're going to lose a close game. So, but because I'm not, a, I don't have enough guts to make like some 17 point prediction for a team that's one and four, I'll say 34, 27, Nebraska. Okay. All right. Chris, we appreciate it. How was your Husker hype cast experience? Please rate us one through 10. I give it a 10. It was everything I could have hoped for. Um, I trust, I trust the Husker hype cast in a way that I could never trust Nebraska football. So I appreciate you guys having me. It has been wonderful and I hope to do it again soon. We are certainly more consistent. Plenty of Purdue Pete talk. Brunt's mentioning Bob Diaco at every possible opportunity. The only <laughs> thing that he missed out on there is mentioning that Bob Diaco also coaches punters. Uh, and so mm. that could play into to Saturday's game as well. So We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Chris, we appreciate it. Uh, Brunt, BC, anything you want to you wanna say here before we take off? I'm just imagining Bob Diaco in sweatpants, like doing this really awkward kind of like running man motion, teaching Caleb Lightborn how to punt. That's, that's, that's how I'm leaving the hype cast today. <laughs> well, you're not imagining it. You're remembering it. Because yes. that, was, uh, that was, you know, one of the glorious pre-practice accesses that we got back in the day. BC? No, that's we can end on that note. That's okay. <laughs> All right. It's Nebraska Purdue, Purdue Pete, Bob Diaco, and the uh, inconsistent Huskers coming to your screen on Saturday. We'll be back with another podcast after the game on Saturday. Of course, we'll have plenty of coverage at Husker 24 7. And, you know, we'll see what happens if there is a game or not. But we plan to, uh, to bring the podcast back and the Husker hypecast back for Nebraska's uh, season finale against Minnesota next week as well. We'll catch you soon.